Good morning, church. Uh, if we haven't gotten to meet yet, my name is Laurel Guy. I am one of the ministers here at FCC, and I am so grateful to get to worship with you this morning. I also really love that bumper. It makes me very happy. It's just very bouncy. Um, Today is actually going to be a little different from our typical Sunday services because today we are going to be doing our fourth and final prayer and worship event for the year right now this morning. Over the course of 2023, we have had a church-wide focus on prayer. And Part of that has been several nights of prayer and worship that we've hosted throughout the year, and maybe some of you got to come and participate in those, but for this last one, we wanted to do it today in service so that more of us could get to be here and participate in it. And each of these prayer events has been centered around one piece of the DNA of FCC, Love God, so we spent time learning about prayers of praise. Love others, so we engaged in intercessory prayer. Make disciples, where we practiced praying prayers of confession. And tell your story, which, if you're keeping track, is today. Some of you have heard me talk about how I love stories. I come from a long line of storytellers, of writers and librarians. One of my great-grandmothers was a librarian, the other a writer. My mother is an author, my sister is a librarian, and I also just grew up around a lot of people who knew how to tell a good story. I remember my dad making up a new story for me just about every day that he drove me to kindergarten. And my grandfather loved to tell me stories about the history of our family. So as far back as I can remember, I have always loved a good story. And I'm guessing that a lot of us here can resonate with that sentiment. Because stories are often how we make meaning. Humans tend to think of their lives in narratives, in stories. It is said that we live storied lives. And as we share those stories in community with other people, those stories gain more meaning or even change are reconstructed to include new perspectives, discoveries, and characters. Stories connect us to the people around us, to our history, and help us to understand ourselves and others. Everyone has a story, because every life is a series of stories. And I think that's really beautiful. And Jesus frequently taught in stories, in parables. In their book, Reframation, Alan Hirsch and Mark Nelson spend a lot of time talking about this very thing. They write, when we sit before a lecturer, we are prone to arm ourselves by subconsciously locking the gates and setting a guard against any words or ideas that may cause unwanted emotions or affections. Contrast that with listening to a story. 
when we gather around the fire to hear a great story, we suspend our watchfulness. The guards are removed and the gates are left open. Things do not seem as suspicious when communicated in a narrative. But stories are also brimming with realities and truths that can be incredibly potent, even life-changing. We nod our heads in agreement, laugh out loud, and silently empathize with the characters. Good, beautiful stories plunge the reader into a fictional world in such a way that when they return to reality, they perceive the world with more clarity and joy than before. And no one knew this better than Jesus. Jesus knew the distinction between a narrative and a lecture, and he frequently opted for the narrative to communicate important truths about God, because we are wired to receive stories and be impacted by them in a heart-deep, unguarded way. Jesus was a master storyteller. And we're going to look at one of these stories that Jesus used to communicate truth in an imaginative way this morning that can be found at the very beginning of Luke chapter 15, which is kind of cool because if you were here last week for Student Takeover, this is a passage that Sophie, one of our two preachers for the week, talked about last week, which, by the way, wasn't Student Takeover amazing last Sunday. It is so cool to be a part of a church that empowers students to lead on a Sunday morning like that. I love it. Uh, so we're going to be focusing on a different parable from Luke 15 this morning that's right at the very beginning of the chapter. And basically, the text says that Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were criticizing him and attempting to undercut his authority by talking about how Jesus had been spending time with the wrong people. That Jesus associated with sinners, tax collectors, and the like. And in response to this criticism, Jesus tells them a story. I'm going to tell you a version of that story now. So take a moment, relax your shoulders, sit back, take a deep breath. Once upon a time, there was a shepherd who had a hundred sheep in his flock. The shepherd spent every day caring for these sheep. He had known his sheep from the day that they were born. One of the first sensations each of them ever experienced was his touch, and among the first sounds that they ever heard was his voice. Thus, from birth, the sheep knew their shepherd's voice and their shepherd's touch. He named each of his sheep and could easily distinguish them from each other. He knew their personalities, which ones picked up ticks more easily, which ones preferred which patch of land to graze, which ones tended to fall behind, which ones were the most easily spooked, and which ones were the most likely to wander off and get lost. Every day, the shepherd would take his flock out into the fields to graze, 
to the riverbanks to drink, watching over them and keeping them safe all the while. And every night, the shepherd would greet each sheep by name as it returned to the fold, a big circle of rocks, counting and inspecting the sheep, caressing their faces, wiping their eyes, removing debris from their wool or splinters from their legs, and making sure that they were ready for a peaceful night's rest. When every one of his sheep were accounted for, the shepherd would lay down at the entrance to the fold, becoming the gate to the fold, so that anything that intended to harm the sheep would have to go through him first. In the morning, they would rise together, and he would lead them out into the pastures to do it all over again. Then, one evening, as he was welcoming each of his sheep back into the fold, his count finished at only 99 sheep. Instantly, he knew that his two-year-old ewe, Kibsa, was missing from the fold, and his heart began to pound. When was the last time he had seen Kibsa? She was with the flock when they left the fold that morning, he was certain, and he saw her drinking from the spring that afternoon, which meant that somehow she'd gotten lost on their way home. He couldn't remember if he had seen her any time after the spring. Had she been snatched by a predator while he was getting a drink himself? Did she get stuck in those brambles that she sometimes wandered into? Did she fall? None of these scenarios lessened the panic in the shepherd's heart. He looked around at his remaining 99 sheep, all bedding down to sleep. His heart was torn. What if wolves discovered the fold while he was away? Or what if another sheep wandered off while he searched for Kibsa? But deep down, he knew he had no choice. Grabbing his staff and slipping on his sandals once more, he left the flock in the fold and began to retrace his steps to find Kibsa and prayed that no predators discovered his flock while he was gone. He would leave the 99 to look for the one. In the first hour he searched, he found no traces of Kibsa in the darkness. He called for her, but she did not come. The world around him was silent and sleeping. But as he made his way back down the hillside toward the stream where the flock had quenched their thirst, he heard a rustling to his left. The shepherd turned and approached the bushes slowly, carefully, listening. And as he drew closer, he heard a high-pitched bleat. Kibsa's bleat. His heart gave a leap as he rushed forward and found her struggling, one hoof trapped between two large rocks. Kibsa's bleeding quieted upon the sight of her shepherd. He gently caressed her face and carefully pried her hoof free. Kibsa limped forward a few feet, and the shepherd bent, picked her up, and placed her on his shoulders, joyfully carrying her back to the safety of the fold, singing all the way home. And then the text says, then he calls his friends and neighbors, and together, and together, and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. 
The religious leaders criticized Jesus because he was associating with the people that the religious people had othered. People they had decided were the wrong kind of people. People who weren't even trying to live according to God's law. People who were known for being untrustworthy and unclean, so no one wanted to be seen with them because they didn't want to end up with that same kind of reputation. And Jesus responds to this criticism by telling them a story about a shepherd leaving behind 99 sheep to go find the one he lost. And just to be clear, the goal of this story was not to teach people how to be shepherds. It was to teach them and us what God is like. The image of God as shepherd is not something that would have been novel to Jesus' Jewish audience, as it's an image that is prevalent throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah 40.11 says of God, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs into his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Ezekiel chapter 34 reads, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And of course, probably the most well-known, Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd. And a very important thing about shepherds is that they would actually go after a sheep that they lost. If a sheep went missing, they weren't just like, oh, well, I mean, I have all these other ones to spare, so we can just let that one go. No, they would actually go into the wilderness after that sheep, armed with a stick, and do all that they could to bring that sheep back. There is this desire to find what is lost. That being said, a hundred sheep is a lot of sheep. Most shepherds in the ancient world did not have that many sheep, It's a little easier to notice if one of your sheep is missing, if you only have like 10 of them. One scholar writes, one out of 100 is easy to overlook. But as soon as the owner recognizes his loss, he takes whatever steps are needed in order to bring the group to wholeness. Even a missing 1% must be noticed. And if he can notice the missing one and diligently seek to find it, he reminds listeners that perhaps they have lost something or someone as well, but have not noticed it. Before the search can begin, we need to notice what or who is not there. We need to notice who is not here. Take a moment. Look around you. 
it's pretty easy to notice who is here. But the one with the heart of a shepherd will notice who is missing. And this is really hard, which is why we have to start in the same place with a deep concern for the people who don't have a community like this. Because like we see in this parable, as well as many other places throughout the Gospels, Jesus was deeply concerned for and prioritized the ones who aren't here. The ones who never would have dared walk through the doors of the temple. The ones that the religious leaders distanced themselves from. The ones who didn't belong and who had long given up hope that they ever would again. These precious people are who we want to focus on this morning. And it starts with prayer. We all have a kibsa. We all have a one who is longing for more, who is wondering if this life of eat, sleep, work, and die is all there is. Someone who loves stories and longs for a grander, more enchanted story to be a part of. If you think you don't know anybody like that, pray for eyes to see, because it's actually pretty unlikely that you don't know somebody like that. And for that person, it's kind of like how Savannah preached last week about being ambassadors for Christ. For that one person, you are their ambassador, their Christ representative. Maybe it's someone from work or school. It could be a member of your family, an old friend from high school, someone you play a sport with, the barista at the coffee shop. I could go on. And this morning, we want to give you some time to pray for that person. There's a prayer exercise called Pray for One, where if you don't have a one in your life, someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, you ask God to help you find one. You ask God to help you notice and be deeply concerned for the people who aren't here and probably assume that they don't belong in a community like this one. And if somebody already comes to mind, the exercise is that you commit to praying for that person regularly, daily, praying for blessings and good things for your one and praying for God to open doors for you to share the story of how God has worked in your life and to point out where you see God moving in theirs, which means that part of your prayer might be asking God to show you where God is already at work in your one's life. Pray that God would fill you with love for your one and give you opportunities to demonstrate that love as a representative of the good news of God's love for them. So we're actually going to give you some space to do that right now. In the seat backs in front of you, you will find some paper and pens. It says pray for one at the top. Um, And we're going to give you some time to pray for your one. You can write out a full prayer, like a letter to God. You can do bullet points. You can draw. It's just a tool. No one's going to see it but you. We're not going to ask you to turn it in or anything. But I want to challenge you to at least write the name. Pray for blessings for your one. 
Pray for God to show you how God is working in their life. Pray for an opportunity to share about how God has worked in this story of your life. And pray for the honor of getting to know and hear their story better. You can pray about an opportunity to invite your one to church or how they might receive that invitation. So we're going to give you time to do that right now. So pray with me. God, give us the hearts of a shepherd. Call the people to mind that need to be called to mind and help us to pray for them and love them. We just had a few minutes to pray to God about that one person. And I'm so glad that we didn't put it off. And my challenge to you is to take that piece of paper and put it in your pocket, your purse, your Bible, your wallet, your bathroom mirror, nightstand, wherever might prompt you to pray for that person so that we can each make it part of our daily prayer lives, to pray for our one and also for yourself as you are given the opportunity to share your story. And as we share our story, a word that often comes to mind is witness. We often think of that word in terms of what it means in a court of law, a witness tells what they have seen. Or some of us might be familiar with Acts 2.32, which reads, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. But when we seek to be witnesses for Christ, we are not in a court of law. We are in a relationship with someone we love and someone God loves. And at the core definition of the word witness is to see. And it's not just telling what you have seen, but about truly seeing the person in front of you and witnessing 
their story in all their joys and pains. There are two stories happening, which is why listening is really, really important and goes a long way and is often how you earn the opportunity to speak and share your story. Witnessing is not merely sharing a bunch of evidence so that someone will see something the same way that you do. It is sharing the story of how God has worked in your life while also truly seeing the person in front of you, their story, and how God has been present in theirs with prayerful, patient attention and deep love and care for that person and the things that are valuable to them in a way that reassures them that regardless of what someone shares with us or what they end up believing about the church or God, that it is not going to cost them relationship, connection, or safety with us because we are going to love them regardless and God loves them too. Remember too, that there is a reason that we say, tell your story, not give a lecture. I promise your one is not waiting for a lecture from you and most probably wouldn't be interested in one. But what might be meaningful and powerful is your story. Your story of how God has worked and moved in your life. We must not abdicate our responsibility to be shepherds. You can have a heart for a hundred, but it would be enough if you had a heart for one. As we close our time together today, I think it's important that we remind ourselves that all of these things that are true about God's concern for those who aren't here is also true about God's concern for you. Jesus is the shepherd that left the 99 for you. Jesus is the good shepherd who did indeed lay down his life for his sheep, us, so that we could live with him in the comfort of his fold for all eternity, which we remember when we come to the communion table. If you're in the worship center, in the CLC today, you likely received communion elements on your way in. But if you didn't, no worries. Just raise your hands and one of our ushers will gladly bring them to you. Online friends, now is a great time to head to the kitchen and grab crackers and juice or whatever you might have available as a substitute so that we could all partake in this meal together as one church, one flock. And we're actually going to take communion together today. So on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this, do it in remembrance of me, the body of Christ broken for you. Then Jesus took the cup, saying, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. As often as you drink this, do it in remembrance of me, the body, the blood of Christ shed for you.
God, thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus, for, for the gift of our good shepherd. I pray that this meal would help us to go forward from this moment with hearts of shepherds, um, that you would call people to our minds that need to be called to our minds and that you would empower us to care for them, love them, listen, and share.